0: Recording in progress. Okay, Todd, if you have to place a bet, because we're going to talk about betting today, do you use DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM? What's your betting method of choice?
1: Bruiser the bookie from down the street.
0: <laughs> That's what it used to be way back when. Do you use any of these?
1: No. Okay. We're going to talk about why in a second. Okay,
0: so you have like a reason. Did you ever use them? Uh, yes. All right. Let's go. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 750, which is a um, very round number, 750. (laughs) We're three quarters of the way to 1,000, sweetie. Yikes. So if we do this for another, I don't know, four years, we'll get to 1,000.
0: Or if we do a show every day. We'll get there faster.
1: Every day it's a getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Favorite roller coaster. Go, sweetie.
0: Uh, old school, it's the demon from Great America because that was my favorite when I was young. Now, I would say I really liked that um, Hulk one that we did. Oh, my God.
1: The Hulk one was good. I don't remember. I think there's a at Universal in Florida. It, um, like, shoots you out quick story about kathy um we were probably not even married and we went to king's island or Mm -hmm. cedar point in ohio i forget which one it was and um you told me you were scared of roller coasters but you decided to go anyways on the roller coaster and i've never sat next to somebody (laughs) who honestly was terrified i've been with people that scream because it's fun yeah you were screaming because it was not fun. Because that one wasn't fun. It was the beast. You were really There was no place to put my feet. You were really scared. Yes. Uh, Isn't that the point? Yeah, I just I'm like, "Oh, like I've it's always been fun for me uh, being yeah. next to somebody who screams, but they're <laughs> kind of screaming through play or screaming through I know I'm going to be all right." You were screaming as if to say I'm not going to be all right. Right. I didn't think I was going to be all right. And it turns out you were.
0: Yeah, I'm still here. Um, I think that I go on roller coasters. Oh, hello. Um, I go on roller coasters... Uh, I'd say three fourths of the time, Mm -hmm. meaning like if I'm somewhere, I like some of them. I just think some of them, it's just not worth my energy because it's too scary Yeah, and I don't need to do that. You know, I think people do, it's going to kind of connect with what we're talking about today because, you know, um, I think part of the reason people do roller coasters is to feel alive and to feel scared and I already feel pretty alive, so I don't want to do it.
1: Um... Yes, and we are going to talk about that. I'm first going to throw you a curveball. Okay. I was on a walk with some friends of mine this weekend, and there was a man who I know relatively well. He was talking about empathy, Uh but he was kind of talking about it as if it was, he said something like, "Too, too much empathy is a bad thing. Oh, yeah. It's a take people and, have. And that's new for me. I di- really? Yeah. I didn't... I, I, I'm like, empathy is good because you can walk through the world in a different person's shoes and you can see the world from their vantage point, which gives you the ability to connect with them more deeply. And the scenario he gave was there was an illness in the family and his wife is super duper empathic to the point where she's debilitated uh, because she's thinking about what well, Then
0: See, empathy necessitates boundaries. And so, what he's talking about, there's no boundaries there that's compassion fatigue right mm-hmm. so I just I just
1: want to have a quick discussion about that because it threw me off. I'm like, no, no, empathy's good. he's like, yes, and it can also too much of it can be really bad,
0: of course, everything in life is that right I'm actually attempting right now to write something about how. You know, finding that understanding that there's nothing that is entirely good and there's nothing that's entirely bad. Like there, there's always this place of understanding between. Um, and the thing why I say that about I'm surprised you haven't heard that is because um, this See, there's
1: was, a lot of things I haven't heard that you'd be surprised.
0: Well, it, several years ago, I'm talking maybe possibly eight to 10 years ago, when Brene Brown came out with her first book or second book, uh, and she talked about empathy, um, Adam Grant came back with a too much empathy is bad Mm -hmm. thing. Like he always has this deep data, you know, thinker take on things. And she came back and was like, "Uh, you know, I, I don't agree with you. Like there was kind of a back and forth about it. And that's because sometimes just the definition of empathy... We think empathy means I can feel what other people are feeling, period. Therefore, it's bad because, you know, the examples that were given, like you don't want a surgeon feeling the way a patient does or else that surgeon can't do their job. Well, of course not. And there's boundaries there depending on what your role is in any kind of interaction with somebody. As a parent – I have to make choices with my children. I can still understand how they are feeling and maybe even feel it if I'm real spongy. but it doesn't mean that I am always going to um, you know, not follow through with something that I know is best for them because I'm feeling them. Like you I have boundaries or I have an understanding of my role. Yeah And so I think it's the same. I struggle with this. So the experience that his wife had, I struggle with this. But I don't think to myself, man, I wish that I wasn't an empathetic person. What it is is what I realize I have to do is be conscious of where I am and get rest and separate and and pay attention to compassion fatigue.
1: And this could be – it's just a hasty generalization, but because I surround myself with men – I'm always challenged, one, for me to practice my own empathy muscle, uh-huh. and two, to get other guys to do the same. So I think that's why I was kind of thrown off a little bit, like, no, 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 we, like, we need to work on this. And I judge that we, generally speaking, men in general, need to develop that empathy muscle more than our female counterparts.
0: I agree. And I think the first thing is to define what empathy means. Let's do that. And empathy necessitates boundaries. Okay, so like that's a big part of it. For example, I am going to be a lot more empathetic um, with other people if I have my own understanding of my needs. If I am just this open, bleeding heart um, and I'm feeling everybody else's feelings and I have been in that position before where and that's my, you know, that's something I've had to work on, then I'm going to be resentful of other people. Yeah. Then I'm going to feel like I and, – and I and I have this sometimes where I'm so def- or depleted that I will say to you, I can't be with other people right now because I will take in their experiences or I will feel the need to take care of them and that is going to deplete me even more. Yeah. So th- the definition of empathy necessitates having that word boundary in there. So you can show up for people. So it's just like anything else. The right.
1: answer is somewhere in the middle. Correct. And for some reason, I'm thinking of Terry Real's relationship grid, and we don't have to get into it, but on the horizontal axis is boundaries. Right. And on the left, it's boundary less, Correct. which means there are no boundaries. Right. And you're love dependent. Right. That's the term. He, and then on the right is walled off. And I think that most of us guys fall into the walled off category more than the love dependent. Of course, there's exceptions to the rule, but- Uh, For me, and you know, the answer is for like, because you are probably sometimes that don't have enough boundaries, whereas I've probably over compartmentalized stuff.
0: Exactly. And the answer
1: is for us to find our way towards each other in the middle.
0: Exactly. And I think people like research or like something that makes them feel better about the way that they respond to things. And if we tend to look at a woman who feels overwhelmed by someone in her family who is sick or a, or a child who has some, you know, special needs in that moment or overall, or, you know, they have a dying parent and, and they're feeling overwhelmed. Like, first of all, there are, there this gets messy because there are moments in time when feeling overwhelmed is very normal. Like, it, you know, we're not always gonna be stoic and static <laughs> where it's like, We got this together. I've got my boundaries in place. Sometimes it's overwhelming and he's talking about his wife felt overwhelmed because someone was sick and sometimes that's just called being human. Yeah. And we don't have to be like, you know what, she did it wrong or or you know what? I'm not gonna care as much. Yeah. Because I'm gonna have that experience. It's this experience of when she starts to realize like I you know, we've you and I have been in that position where if, you, you know, if I was taking care of my mom or my dad or one of our kids and things were really heavy, we knew that when we started to be like, oh, you know, like I'm starting to feel resentful or I'm starting to feel overwhelmed or sad that we needed yeah. a break for ourselves. And so sometimes that feeling of over- overwhelm is an indicator, Yeah. but it's not always like that. What do you that. think gets in the way?
1: Let's, let me pick on, um, you know, you or okay. his wife. Mm-hmm. What gets in the way from you setting that boundary?
0: Because I have been, um, th- there's a few things there. I have been culturally and societally trained to be a, a caregiver and that it's m- my role or something that I've developed that strong muscle over time just because of the generation I grew up in and being female and I have learned how to care for people. So it's like something I know how to do, mm-hmm. Right. And so that 's part of the problem. I think also just who I am, who I came in the world as, um, and that could be because of my childhood experiences or it just could be the soul that I came in as who knows. I care about people a lot. Mm-hmm. I concern myself a lot of what people are feeling so i 've got you know a bit of a double whammy there, yeah um, and that is a I love both of those mm-hmm. things. I love both of those things about me, but I have to be you know I have a lot of um, what are they called, tools that I use because I've seen how it it has impacted me negatively.
1: Well, and you're welcome to turn the tables on me, but I want to ask you two more questions about you being overly empathic sometimes. Okay. What do you get out of it? And then what is the cost of it?
0: Um, Well, what I get out of it is a sense of where it feels normal to me. So it's like I feel like um, I'm not having to it's it's a natural flow for me it's kind of like when you go towards something that seems to be like it's a very worn neural pathway in my brain it's like here's what i do i take care of you here's what i do i say the right thing here's what i do i you know call you and hold you up and or that whatever. makes you
1: feel connected and and that you are serving and you you there's a,
0: it feels very love. natural and yes of course yeah. i get things from it i get someone's love i get a sense of worth and and it also just is what I know. Yeah. So it's like there's a few things going on. And then what was the last question? What's what What's the cost? Well, because then I don't focus as much on myself right. and I don't know what um, I need all yeah, the time. You get
1: overwhelmed and tired. And
0: also resentful of people who don't do that amount yeah. of caregiving. I think that um, it, it is something that we need to work on in a gender yeah. um, way because yeah. I I feel very frustrated you know uh, with you because you're the only guy in my family currently that I'm living with um, is that I am frustrated with you that you often uh, will wake up and think about you yeah. and you don't think about everybody else yeah. and while there, that is good meaning like I try to make that practice you know wake up and think about what I need or I talk to women about taking care of themselves but sometimes it can be too skewed yeah to where you are going into that path of I don't want to be too empathetic or I don't need to think about you guys. You guys take care of yourselves. Yeah, And that's not really the, the, un, the deep understanding. We could get into lots of, um, you know, data here. But we have a, a huge unpaid workforce in our country, and that's women. Yeah. Like we do a lot of things that nobody pays us for, and everybody's like, that's just what you do. And you take care of people and you, you know, you help people when they're sick and you take care of kids when they're not in school and you, you know, down, you, you have a part time job instead of a full time job. Like we are tend to be, I'm talking data here, I'm generalizing, you know, we have unpaid jobs. And so sometimes, you know, the experience of like, it would be nice if men were doing the same kind of thing because we balance out. So in other words, it
1: it would make it easier for you. Yes if I moved over towards the middle, cause then you would be able to move over towards the middle Correct. with me. So yes. you could start doing your own version of compartmentalization and doing your own version of self care. But, but yeah. in order to do that, I need to create the space for that. I pick up whatever slack may have been missed because you begin compartmentalizing and taking care of yourself. Does yeah. You,
0: if you pay attention to other people, yeah. Um, then, you can then I can pay attention more to me and then you can have the experience and the joy of what it feels like to yeah. care for other people because it's not this is not a one way experience of you just need to come up and do more work this yeah. is a you're missing something well, important
1: and the example I, I get is like the place where I'm the, one of the very few places I care more than Kathy does, or maybe you'll disagree with me, is around water bodies of water with our kids in the ocean. Like, I get all jacked up, like, yeah. my nerve because I've had all these close calls and all that. And it's not like you're complacent, but you're just like a normal human being. And I'm
0: like... Are you talking about the ocean? Yeah. Oh, my God, honey. I'm a mess at the ocean. What are you talking about? I feel like when it comes to undertoes and things like that... Oh, my God. You and I are not a good team in that matter. I am... Okay, this is... I think we're both... I think I am also really that's what i mean we are not a good we don't have a good balance there's no balance i often do not go down to the beach with all of you (laughs) even with my adult children because it's so stressful for me do you remember when i would say i i feel like this is a weird conversation because i feel like you used to be annoyed at me when the girls were little and i and i still yell to my 20 year old come closer come in i am And why it makes me so sad is as a kid, I wasn't terrified of the ocean. So I have this like baseline of I used to play in the ocean, no problem. Yes, I got pulled in by an undertow and I've had all those bad experiences, but I also was not afraid. I had a childhood experience of enjoying it. But as a parent, I think you learn about people who drown and Todd's had some near drowning experiences and you're thinking about your children, they can't. Right? I'm not afraid of sharks. Are you afraid of sharks? No, not at all. I'm not either. And that's weird because I think a lot of people, that's why they don't like the ocean. That's not me. I don't like the ocean because it's unpredictable. And my kids can feel as if they're in control. And then all of a sudden it gets darker and the tide turns. And, the you know, like I get frustrated on trips because people know people, meaning my family knows that I'm a little uptight about water. Less about swimming pools, more about ocean, and that sometimes there'll be a flag out saying "Don't go in the water," mm-hmm. and then one of my girls would be like, "It's fine." I'm like, "It's not." There's a flag saying "Don't." Why well, would someone flag, put that out? We
1: don't go in when the flag says "Don't go in." The, we'll we'll go in when it's like, "Hey, it's choppy, so be careful." Yeah, but there's also a flag. It's like nobody's allowed in. Right. So we might go in there when they're like, "Oh, be careful, it's choppy."
0: Yeah. And and I'm not really super afraid of lakes Mm -hmm. either. I feel like they're pretty smooth. And I, you know, again, grew up by a lake. So that to me, it's the ocean. The ocean is like a living, everything's living. But do you agree with me on this? The
1: power of the ocean is, uh, it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, and, it's and it what scares, I love the most. Scares the bejesus out of me. But yeah, it's so unpredictable, yeah. and and lakes can be too. But I just feel like lakes are there, there's a steadiness. Oh dear, I know it keeps making that sound. Um, I don't know. So it's funny that you say that because I feel like you used to get annoyed at me about why. I just remember water. being like, these girls got to get
1: become better swimmers. Yes, and, and yes. I feel like I was a little bit more. I agree with that. Jacked up or, or, or so. Anyways, let's let's jump into okay. the topic. Let's
0: talk about gambling.
1: I woke up this morning to go play pickleball. I checked my podcast feed. 60 Minutes had this thing on um, gambling um, specific to uh, young men. Mm -hmm. And uh, John Duffy wrote a book. We've been in John's world here the last few weeks because we uh, did a conference with him. And I just thought it was a really important topic. And it seems like sometimes you and I don't talk specifically about threats to our children. Sure. And I feel like this is one of those things that I have interest in. And I, I'm a little jaded against gambling. And not to say I don't. I used to play fantasy football, and I stopped just because it was taking way too much of my time up. But I do have a few clips from the 60 Minutes that I'd be happy to play at some point. I know you sometimes you get annoyed when I play <laughs> longer clips. But it's, um, it's, there was some Supreme Court decision.
0: 1992.
1: That I'll, I think it was no, I think it was recently, more recent than
0: no. That. The Supreme Court struck down a 1992 federal okay, law. Okay, there you go. But, yeah, in 2018. Like,
1: yeah, 2018, mm-hmm. and it basically means that we can. It's as if we're at the sports book in Las Vegas. We used to have to get on a plane, go to Vegas to go gamble legally, mm-hmm. and now we all have it. At least if we live in Illinois on our phone.
0: Yeah, so basically they struck down a 1992 federal law that said you couldn't gamble in this way and it banned commercial sports uh, betting in most states Um, but now we can, now they left it up to the states, you know, so you can, you know, do online betting Um, because before, now some of the, I remember when this conversation was happening in 2018 and a lot of the people who wanted this to be overturned, this federal law, they were saying that bettors, people who wanted to bet or gamble were forced into the black market, Mm -hmm. okay? And so they saw that, you know, this offshore wagering operation as a problem. And then it was going offshore. You know, if we're going to bet, it's kind of like the way people thought about marijuana, right? It's like people are buying it. Yeah. So if it's really not that bad, why don't we start taxing it and start, like, making this a thing that we get money from? Um, And so... You know, play, instead of placing a bet with a bookie, people still do that. But now not you can, nearly as many. Not, you don't have to, right? Right. You know, now you do it on your phone.
1: Um, can I play a clip? Sure. All right, here we go.
0: But survey after survey confirms that of the
1: 50 million or so sports bettors in the U.S., men under the age of 35 are far and away the biggest demographic. For decades, leagues feared gambling would corrupt competition. So far,
0: that crisis hasn't happened. But the last five years have given rise to a surge in young gambling addicts. Joe Rossillo, now 26, says his problem
1: started in high school. Then in 2022, sports betting apps came to his home state of New York. What impact did that have? It had a big impact. I've worked my whole life, so I, I got a check every week, but it would deposit right into whatever app I was using. Were you interested in the game itself? I am a sports fan, but as the years grew on, You become less interested in the game itself and more interested in the result. And who needs a bookie when a fresh bet is just a swipe away? You know, you can wake up in the middle of the night, take your phone out, set an alarm for a match, maybe overseas or something like that. I would place a bet on anything, anywhere, at any time. Boom. Poor Joe. And it's so accessible. It is. And um, I I might play a clip about, I think they call it micro betting. I forget where you bet about things within a game. Yeah. And it's just, um, it's just a, a thing that I think is really a significant threat. And uh, I might bring up John Duffy's book again, but a few of the problems he sees with our young men is one is obviously porn, one is weed, but he put sports gambling in there as well. And I just think that um, it's designed to be addictive. And there's really not that many resources out there. And I, I don't have, you know, we have stories from when we were younger. Yeah. We have I was going to say, I have so many stories. We have friends that got into a lot of trouble. uh uh-huh. um, I thankfully didn't, but it, it triggers that part of your brain that it, it's the addictive part of your brain. And, you could just get in a lot of trouble. Yeah,
0: it's another a version of a dopamine rush, another version of doing something that can help you focus just on that thing. You know, like gambling is one of those things that if you are gambling and focusing on betting and winning money, then your attention is there. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to feel all your feelings. You don't have to deal with what's happening. You get to just focus on this next game or whatever it may be. Well, and when when you and I were in college, I it's funny because I don't know that at our college, betting was as huge as when I moved to Chicago and met a lot of new friends and heard about their schools, bigger universities, there was a huge betting thing. Yeah. Like, I had friends new guy friends and girlfriends who had bookies. Yeah. And I was like, is that a thing? So at our college, did was there no,
1: I don't think it was as big at okay. Drake as it was on other college On bigger campuses. campuses, yeah. Maybe it was going on and we didn't know it, but it just first of all i didn't have any money i know um so it's hard to gamble with money you don't have but um i don't know if i'll play it in the clip but you know these kids gamble with their loans that they get mm-hmm. from the federal government their financial for school yeah or they gamble their inheritances of mm-hmm. from wherever so you know when you're when you're if you're addicted to it, you'll get the money from wherever.
0: Just like any other addiction. Yeah, I right? mean, they may also work full-time, but then their paycheck goes to, you yeah. know, goes to betting and they and in and, and it's really messy because, you know, there was a lot of again from my friends in my 20s who were still gambling. Um, a lot of them would make money, right? And they'd be like, oh, I'm up 50,000 or whatever, which when you're that age is an incredible amount of money. Like you're, it's overwhelming. But then the problem, like with any addiction or with anything, is you keep gambling. And then all of a sudden you're underwater again.
1: Well, and we always hear the stories about our friends when they win a bunch of money. Right. Uh, people are not nearly as excited to tell you the stories about how they just lost a bunch of money.
0: And I had friends who dated uh, and and, and, um, I'm speaking of men because I didn't know a lot of women betting. I do now. Mm. I know women doing online betting, but I didn't know a lot of women who had bookies when I was in my twenties, but I had guy friends who were underwater and owed bookies money and were on the hook and, it was threatened a big with deal threatened violence. with violence yes so it's it's one of those things where when you say it out loud you're like that can't be real and it and it's is real. it's absolutely real so
1: two quick things i um i picked up rescuing our sons by john duffy this morning and there's just a little piece on sports gambling and how our young men are struggling with it it's interesting because he starts out saying You know, through a certain lens, it's really not that bad of a thing. And Mm -hmm. what he means by that is, it's a vehicle of connection between guys. Uh, They talk a lot about it. There's like, um, it's it's just it's a fun thing for guys for people People. to do. Yeah, because women do great. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet it's designed for um, to to keep betting. Like these house money. These apps are designed to incentivize and influence you to do it. The one thing he did say in the book, which I thought was interesting, is a lot of the kids in john's offices' office say that this is their pathway towards financial security right so they right. they minimize like i don't want to go find a job, I can just gamble and I'm here to tell you, I don't know a lot of things for certain, but there's like less than one tenth of one percent who can gamble better than. The casinos can, and what I mean by that is, if you gamble long enough, the odds of you winning are so slim that you're it's it's a system that is built against you. Is this isn't
0: this what day traders do? Uh,
1: well, day traders are a little bit different. I mean, there's certainly gambling and day trading mm-hmm. as well, but th- these games like blackjack or online betting of the Super Bowl. It's designed so that they balance out a certain amount of um, risk and reward. Well, if it's Chiefs versus the Niners, mm-hmm. right? And all the all the the house wants to do is make sure there's an equal number of bets on each side, right? Because they get a cut of all of that, correct? Um, and that's not always true. Sometimes casinos do like to hedge certain ways, but um, for these young men and young women who actually gamble and think that this is their pathway towards not having a job, one out of a lot of people will be able to maintain financial security over the long haul by gambling.
0: Well, believing that that is a pathway to financial security is like believing porn is sex and intimacy. Right. It's false. Yeah. And why this is an important conversation, you know, when we're talking about parenting is it's yet another thing. To have a conversation with your kid about not a sit down across from the table conversation, open conversation about online betting and about it's how it's created. I mean, now AI is involved in online betting. So the specificity that is that the right way to say it? The specificity, how how like accurate it is, as far as making sure they don't lose too much money. Well, and you know the, it's designed to put them
1: in ahead in favor Correct. versus the person who is betting, and they have all these tricks to try to incentivize more and more gambling. The one last piece on the Duffy thing is the one thing John says, and I appreciated this is the problem is kids have a perception that work is really bad. Like work is hard and work sometimes is hard, Mm -hmm. but his invitation is for us parents to not model the drudgery of the day-to-day working life experience. So in other words, share some of the good things about what you get out of being employed by a company like you get significance you get notoriety you get financial security you have a sense of meaning like he's really like play up the idea of the best parts of our job as opposed to just simply complaining about work
0: yeah i mean yeah that's i think that's definitely part of it i think that that kids are also not just thinking about when they're going to work like because we're talking about 16 17 18 year olds who really just want a hit now of something where they can short term so yes I see the big picture in that you know in guiding our kids to a place where they go into some kind of world of work that is interesting to them not just you know you're only going to make money if you become a you know an accountant but there's you know like there's a book I used to use in my college class called right brainers right brainers will rule the world Um, is that what it was called? Right-brainers. You me look it up? Yeah, look it up. It's by Daniel Pink. I don't want to call it the wrong thing, but it's about right-brainers and about how the future of work is going to be a more creative endeavor. You know, it's going to be creating jobs and being able to accommodate new kinds of thinking and, you know, like it, it's not so cut and dry because a lot of the jobs that used to be so cut and dry, we can now, the computers can handle them, yeah. you know? The name so, of the
1: book is Right-Brain, A Whole New Mind. A whole new mind. Moving okay. from the information age to the conceptual age.
0: Yeah. So it's not called right-brainers, will you rule the world? But that's basically what I call it because I'm teaching social work and I basically, yes, I know there's AI therapists out there now. And a yes. lot of the model is, you know, we're going to mess around with this area. But the truth is real connection comes from human connection and yeah. a computer. Or wired towards being with people totally and so we're gonna play around
1: hey everybody quick plug for uh, my friend David Serrano David has been the personal financial manager for both Kathy and I for cheese I think five or six years Um, really smart um, and he's trustworthy which I think is the most important piece of getting any type of financial advisor in my life a few things he's done for me he has helped me navigate the tricky balance between needing to save for retirement and the need to put money aside for my college, uh, my kid's college tuition. So another thing, he helped me find a bunch of hidden fees in my 401k that I have. The impact has been tremendous. So David, uh, gives one-to-one financial advice, personalized recommendations. Uh, he's available. Um, he's just a wonderful guy. So I invite you to reach out to him. His phone number is 815- 370 3780.
0: Join the Circle, which is the Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks. We also have small groups that focus on finance, raising healthy sons, differently wired families, and I have an exclusive women's group. This is only $25 a month, and you can cancel at any time. Our motto is zero pressure,
1: 100% support. Uh, So here's some things you can do. You can follow the podcast on your podcast app. You can subscribe to Kathy's Friday Zen Parenting Moment. It's a quick read, really inspirational. And then you can also uh, buy the book that Kathy wrote called Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. Basically, Kathy took the most important stuff that we've been talking about since 2011 and put it all into one book. You can buy it wherever books are sold. With
0: this AI thing, it'll probably always be out there as far as like, a therapeutic model. But I'm telling you, it's connection with people that changes people's brainwaves. And so Can I play 30 more seconds? Uh, Go ahead, wait, your because thought. you're you kind of threw a lot out there sure, as babe. far as like understanding why people gamble. And the thing is is that First of all, it's accessibility, and it's silly when – it's like, for example, I went to buy some wine. We were in Italy in November, and I found this really great Italian wine, and I was like, I can't – it's not in the States. And so I looked it up, and I – and they're like, wait, can you go on this website? Are you 21? And I'm like, I am. Check a box. They're like, okay, come on in. Like –
1: You somehow managed to get through yeah, there
0: wasn't too hard. Well now I know some betting, um, some like digital betting, there is a little more like um, to like authentication, yeah. you know, like you have to give a social security or you it's a little deeper than that. But again, our kids who are digital natives yeah. can tend to jump over these hoops they of can figure it out quicker. Yeah. Than so can. a lot of times they're like, no, you can't, you got to be 18 or 21 to gamble. And it's like, well, It's kind of like saying you can't be on Instagram until you're a certain age, but kids much younger are on. So, and I was reading that a lot of parents involve their kids in their bets. Mm. So kids have access to their parents' account. Yeah. You know, it's like the kid is the bookie, like putting it in or making the choices. And so already you have a kid. And some kids who are 16, once you have your own job, often have their own bank accounts. So parents don't always know the money coming in and out, which. I'm not a big fan of let's oversee everything our kids are doing. It's so funny because I feel like we talked about empathy yes. and the spectrum. Uh huh. Gambling
1: by itself is not a bad thing. Right. You know, it's in a vacuum. It's, oh, you're placing a bet. It's, when it's it competition. Gets, mm-hmm. When it gets too far, when it becomes too much, yeah.
0: you know, too much of anything isn't good. Well, and too much and with a misunderstanding of how it works yeah. because, you know... To your point, like if somebody's like, oh, you know, if we're playing the game of like, you know, Indecent Proposal or other movies where they're like, I'm going to go bet this one chip and win all my money back. Yeah. It's like it doesn't work that way. Has it worked that way? Maybe. But a lot of times those people who make a ton of money go back downstairs. I'm talking about like in a casino and then spend that money. Well, so we
1: found that out in Indecent Proposal. Woody Harrelson had a really good night. I know. He was halfway home to paying off his mortgage. And he's like. I figure by he says something stupid like by two o'clock tomorrow afternoon we'll have it all back, and then it was gone, and then it was all
0: gone. Yeah, and and this is like a you know this is a. Um, a trope, or maybe that's not the right word, but it's a plot point. Sure. A lot of times, as far as thinking that betting is going to win us money, and it and it gets really confusing because there are people like we were just with one of your friends, and he just won a ton of money. Yeah, one of my best friend's brothers just won a ton of money with online betting, so it does happen. But there's also this belief then now I have all this money to play with that was never mine. Yeah, and so it's a and so to your point, like people who have who are like I'm going to bet. Um, you know, five bucks on the game this afternoon, so just to make it interesting and fun, so I actually have someone I want to cheer for, and it's not just about the game; it's about who gets the first kick, who gets the first touchdown. Yeah, the prop bets. Yeah, all those bets, and so that's fun because it's like it's bringing you into the game, but that that thing that you just played, the guy's like, I'm not even really... He's like, I'm a sports fan. Yeah. But I'm not really watching the game anymore. Right. I just want the outcome.
1: Right. We used to watch sports because we love the game. Right. And now we're simply rooting for somebody to a last minute field goal to cover a spread where it really has nothing to do with the integrity of the competition of who's winning this game. Instead, it's about... Am I going to hit my money or not?
0: Exactly. And so then you're kind of missing the whole, because, you know, I think there's a lot of data that says it's brought more people to sports, you know, and I, and again, in that, in the 60 minutes time, there's a funny clip where they're like, some people are watching or not watching. They are betting on like a tennis match. That's like 16th place.
1: No, no, it's, it's neither of the two tennis athletes were in the top hundred. So yeah. nobody would even no, nobody really cares. be concerned about it. Yet they're making it available to bet on because somebody, you know, the more product that they have, uh, the more likely that somebody's going to bet on that product.
0: And because it's AI, because it's like so easy to figure out who people are and when they bet. They are also getting push notifications that say things like, this is a game you usually bet on, or this is the time of day you usually bet, or here's a sport that you usually bet on. Yeah. So even if you're trying to be like, I'm going to back away from this. They
1: know. They, they know, know your you. preferences. They know what time of the day you usually yep. gamble. They don't. They know what sports you typically bet, yep. what type of bets you usually do. So I want to like just pull back and say, okay, this is a great discussion about gambling. How do we help parents? Let's say yeah. that there's somebody out there that has a son or a daughter that they fear is is in the grips of a
0: gambling addiction. Yeah. What do we do? Well, in the grips of a gambling addiction is is big. Yeah. That means that you need therapeutic gamblers help anonymous. and yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. Like that we don't have
1: a simple answer for that. I would say gamblers anonymous.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. G A or but
1: what if you're just worried, hey, this is getting too too much? Like they're not like fully addicted, but
0: or just that they don't even know their kid. Like I kind of look at it, the bigger picture of like, you may have a kid who's gambling a little bit, or you may have kids who haven't started, but you want to have this conversation. And I feel like th- it, that I, that's why I relate it to porn or anything else is it's knowing that it's available and it's something that people do. Yeah. Your kids talking to your kids about that. It's out there is not more, is not going to drive them to it. Mm. Like they know it's there, yeah. you know, you guys like, and I'll go back to the parenting thing because I know you want me to answer that. But when Todd and I watch a football game, at least one football game, I remember, we started counting how many ads there were for online gambling. And like I said, it's all different. Like I said these at the beginning, but bet MGM, Caesars, Sportbook, DraftKings, FanDuel, WinBet, and those are just the ones I wrote down. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's plenty others. And so the idea that our kids aren't seeing that while they're watching football, and you've got like major stars promoting it, you've well, got them doing advertisements. Well, for I it. think
1: it's built into the covers. Now, it always has been like I remember Jimmy the Greek would be on CBS
0: yes. NFL
1: Today or whatever doing it was, doing that. Yeah, and he would say, No, take the money line or whatever. Yes. So it's always been around, but it is that times a
0: thousand because now those commentators I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure they're getting paid by the you know, there's like sure. a sense of let's promote it here. Right. And, you know, there's all these podcasts about it and there's sports radio about it. And, you know, it's interesting because I grew up, my grandparents loved Vegas. And they also loved when the riverboats came around in uh, Wisconsin, because they lived in Galena, um, they would go on the riverboats and gamble, too. So they, they, they loved to gamble. The interesting thing, though, is I grew up with them gambling like penny slots and nickel slots. So they would maybe lose in a day, like... $30, $40, which again is still a lot of money if you're like trying to save money. But I never saw for growing up with people who gambled, because my parents liked it too occasionally. Like I went to Vegas with them. Um, Sometimes they would go to the boats. My aunt likes to go, you know, to the casinos, like the new Hard Rock casinos and stuff. But, and I've seen them win some things, but I've also never seen them deplete their savings or something. I've kind of, you know, regardless of how you feel about it, I never felt threatened by gambling. That's why
1: it's always subjective. Like back when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, there were news reports coming out saying he had a problem. Right. And the guy was like a multimillionaire. millionaire Right. He was betting, whatever, a hundred thousand dollars on a golf match or something like that. If he lost, he was still fine. Right. So does that really mean that he has a gambling problem? I don't know. I I think my answer would probably be no. He's he's not. I think where it gets bad is when you don't have the ability to provide for yourself or your family. Um, but aside from that, I think it's uh, it's harder for me to judge those people.
0: Yeah, and, and it can be difficult sometimes. You know, Todd and I go to Vegas a lot, but then if you also go to the casinos, you know, if there's casinos around you, and sometimes when you see the clientele, you wonder if they have enough money to be doing what they're doing. Is this, we don't know, right? You can't just tell by looking at somebody, but there is a concern often that people are, you know, kind of like, buying lottery tickets that people are blowing the money that they got on Friday to have this kind of like dopamine rush over the weekend.
1: Speaking of lottery tickets, um, so like let's say I'm at a gas station. I see somebody with a really broken down car or right. something like that spending $30 on scratch lottery yeah, tickets. tickets. Yeah, tickets. In the past, there's been a judgment to me like, oh my God, do you, have, do you have any idea how bad of odds you are to end up ahead in this vehicle of gambling. Right. And then I don't know where I heard it from. Daniel Pink or one of the other guys are like, there's so much value <laughs> when somebody who doesn't have abundance to at least have, have hope. hope for just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So it, it reset my judgment of it because uh, I happen to be somebody where I, I'm pretty sure I'm always going to have food on the table. And for somebody who's unsure, I would judge them and only to find out that that hope is such a strong motivator and it just made me judge the people a lot less.
0: I yeah, guess. and that to have the joy yeah. of having a $2 or $1 scratch off and to maybe win 5 bucks, 15 bucks or another ticket yeah. is a it it's in itself a joy. Like there it, not everybody. Yes. There is a, uh, you know, there's billboards about, oh, it's up to a billion dollars or it's up to five million. So, yes, we are getting targeted, you know, to to go buy a ticket. You know, they're saying go buy a ticket because you could become a, a billionaire or whatever it is. But we also have all this data around. You know, as soon as somebody wins the lottery, their their happiness goes down. Yeah. They actually become more depressed yeah. because it doesn't quite fit into the and they, lifestyle they, and they have. They usually
1: lose most of their
0: money. They too. usually lose it, or they get ripped off in some roundabout way. Yeah. Someone claims to help them, and then ends up stealing from them. There's so many stories. I think there was actually a documentary about lottery winners. But we have this. I mean, Todd, it's so deep because we have this false perception because we live in a capitalistic society that if we have money, we will. Be be happy. Now there's been plenty of research that debunks that where we know that there is a certain amount of money that if you get to that level there is a happiness level that you have even if you earn more money on top of that. Now if you're in poverty and then you earn a certain amount of money and so you're no longer in you know, there's no longer that, you know, hand-to-mouth kind of experience. Yes, your happiness level goes up. But beyond that, it really doesn't. Yeah. And so it's this misunderstanding we have about what money does for us. You know, like all the quotes we've heard, you know, the Jim Carrey stuff. I wish everybody had a million dollars so if they had it, they would understand that's not where it's at, mm-hmm. you know? So it all starts there, right? Because we believe that that money is going to change our lives. Right. Um
1: I think like the the level and this is years ago we we did a few podcasts on money and happiness and the balance between the two but it's something like in this country if you have whatever if you make over 55k a year your likelihood of being any more happy after that
0: it doesn't increase it does not increase and and there's all sorts of different research around it like mm-hmm. some people start at much lower as far as like you know, and all, and isn't happiness relative to, right. because it just depends on your needs, right. you know, where you live. So it is, it, it was, it's interesting because I feel like we've talked about this a lot in our family, but just, I think it was like maybe three or four months ago, Sky came home and in her sociology class, she had learned this about money, that the happiness doesn't go up. You know, she heard the statistic from her teacher and she came home and told us like it was brand new information. Now- you and I were not like, no, we told you that. It's good to have a kid hear things from multiple sources and then it goes in a lot easier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I always think that with my college students, sometimes they don't buy what I'm selling mm-hmm. as far as here's the researcher, here's what mindfulness does. And they're like, eh. But I always think to myself, if you hear it again and again and again from different resources, then- It'll finally it'll land. finally, It'll finally land. So I just think that- It just depends. Like you and I, our girls know that we love Vegas and we go to Vegas all the time. We are the worst gamblers in the world. And I don't mean that we lose money. You're the worst gambler. I just mean that I will not do it. I will sit with, you and I usually take out like $50, sometimes a hundred. We did a hundred once. Sweetie,
1: I always bring 300 bucks with me. You
0: do? Yeah. But we we never do it.
1: No, we don't. Um, We're like, we're so boring. Back in the old days... I used to have you sit down with me at a yes. blackjack table because yes. at least I understand all the rules. There's right. so many games; it's hard to manage.
0: I like blackjack too.
1: You do until you lose a hand, right? And then you get all jacked up. So now we're, we're we've pivoted over to the video poker table. Yes, that's much because my because there's no my dealer, speed. there's no social social pressure. Yes,
0: because you screw up other people's cards too. I know. Like as soon as I I always get nervous, and I like you said, I don't do this much anymore. But to go sit down on a table that's already going you screw up the deal you'll screw it up but you change it
1: you do i know you do sweetie but as long as you uh play normally yeah nobody's gonna okay. be upset with you true if you're hitting on 17 or right staying on nine then yeah people you are gonna people be like off. what are you yeah, doing staying on nine but <laughs> <laughs> i should pull up that i'll uh, stay i'll stay um what
0: about on friends she's like hit me hit, hit me, hit me.
1: There's so many movie lines about gambling. <laughs> I think of Swingers, I think of Friends, uh-huh. I think of Rain Man, Rain Man, The Hangover, The Hangover. <laughs> oh my God! There's so many good ones. We I should know. just like put all those clips together. But I'm too lazy to do that.
0: Rounders. That was Todd in my first date. I thought Titanic was no, no. The first you you asked me out on a date mm. and we went to see Rounders, and then like a week later you gave me a gift. What I give you? Of a VCR cleaner oh, because yeah. my VCR, are we aging ourselves or what? My VCR was getting like kind of wonky. And then I used the VCR cleaner and then you came over and we watched Titanic.
1: Um, yeah. And, but there was always something wrong with the sound. On I that know. Thing, and it, it never sucked. really worked. Well,
0: I was poor. I didn't have a lot. I mean, let me say that better. I didn't have enough money. People, it's not always nice to say that because I had a job and I was working, but I was also going to school, so I didn't have a lot of money. How
1: about my favorite movie, uh, my favorite um, part of Rounders? You ready?
0: Okay, let's hear it. You've seen half the hand. How the f*** are you betting into us? You sure this is wise, Abe? It's your money the kid's betting with. Uh, That's plenty
1: wise. We know what we're holding and we know what you're holding. (laughs) The f*** you know what we all got. Summer clerkship in your office says I know what you're holding. I don't bet with jobs like that. Let's just say I'll put you at the top of the list if you're right. Okay. Well, you were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Green folded it on 4th Street, and now you're representing that you have it. Um, The D.A. made his two pair, but he knows they're no good. Judge Kaplan was trying to squeeze out a diamond flush, but he came up short, and Mr. Eisen is futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. So, like I said, the dean's bet is $20. Well,
0: kiss my ass.
1: (laughs) Kiss my ass. I love that. So great.
0: Me too. Because there are people in the world who not only understand cards, but can play poker for a living. Yes. There are people that play poker for a living and we all want to be those people, but we're not. Just like we're all not dancers and we're all not singers. Yes. Like they're, and I think some people just have this intuitive sense. They can read people. They know how to, they have a, they have a good idea of risk. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not the right way to say it. They have a good tolerance Mm -hmm. for risk. Um, and there, you know, and, and what's his name in rounders? What's Matt Damon's name? I know worm is the other guy, Michael, isn't it Michael? No, it's not Michael. I can't remember. I'll look it up. Yeah. Look it up. But he's brilliant and he should be playing cards And I, you know, I don't know if everyone agrees with that after seeing Rounders because he kind of messes up his life. But really he messes up his life because Worm messes up his life. Worm messes it all up. You know, but it sounds like Worm. Mike Mike McDermott. It is Mike. It's Mike. They call him Mikey, though. They don't call him Michael. Well, whatever. Um, um, Mikey is a big winner here. That's a different movie. (laughs) Who's Um, a big winner here? Mikey. Mikey's a big winner. Mikey's a big winner.
1: Um, What about a little shot from Teddy KGB? Oh, boy. Give it to all by then. Then you are mine. So with that
0: accent, sweetie? So the Oreo. I know. The, if he he would open the Oreo and it was like some kind of giveaway with yeah, his cards. That's his tell. Yeah. So it's like. It's like the, the, talking about gambling, it's like anything else. It's like alcohol, right? It's like any addiction. It's it can be fun. Like we can you and I can have fun going to Vegas and fun talking about rounders and maybe placing a bet or doing a bingo game for the Super Bowl and putting some money on it or playing blackjack with friends. But if it if it gets to a point where you believe that this is going to work out for you, that this isn't just for fun, this is going to be the way you pay for school, or this is going to be the way that you find yourself worth or this is going to be the only way you get a dopamine hit, um, or you're going to use it as a way to avoid your life, then it spins out of control. One more movie line. Okay. I'm the loser. I'm the one who should be sorry. Maybe don't talk that way. Can we just go, please? We go? Maybe, look at me. Look at me. (laughs) Your money. and You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey. Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Oh,
1: my God. Mikey wins. (laughs) So young.
0: And, you know, so... You asked me like 15 minutes ago, what do we say to parents about this? You have to, this has to be part of your conversation with your kids. You know, there, if you do gamble, you have to talk to them about the way you do it. If you are gambling and you are losing a lot of money and you are not making great choices with gambling, they are watching that. And, you know, with anything, things go one way or the other. Either they follow or they completely separate from it, right? There's... there's kids who grew up with smokers who became smokers and there's kids who hated smoking so much that they wouldn't they don't even want to be around it you know that was you yeah um
1: yeah i totally agree with you and if there's um a way for me to encapsulate what zen parenting has been about these last 13 years and you've probably said it in different words just have conversations yeah weed porn gambling sex we have to figure out how not to be afraid to have these conversations. Correct.
0: Correct. They're they're messy. They're open-ended. Sometimes your kids are going to say something that, that aren't great. Sometimes you won't have an answer for them. It's an ongoing communication, but we need to add these things that are in our children's generation to the mix. A lot of times we're focused, like, for example... In, and we still need to talk about drunk driving. Don't get me wrong. We need to talk about it. We need to make sure our kids have DDs. We need to, you know, designated drivers. But for the most part, this generation is really different than our generation. Sure. They they got the memo. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, as far as uh, the kids around me that I see, not just my own kids, but other people's kids and clients' kids and college kids, they are like, no, there's, there's a driver. And they have Uber. Yeah. It's a different time. Yeah. So sometimes when we're like, oh. We just really got to focus on this drunk driving. It's like, no, in this generation, there's other things too.
1: There's not bigger threats, but there's different Different threats threats. that we need to address. And to your point, I think this generation is so much better at making sure there's designated driver. I do too. I have no science to back that up. There probably is science out there, but you know, we never dealt with that. We always there's always some idiot who's ready to get behind the wheel drunk.
0: Always, and, and it just didn't have the stigma that it has now. We right. didn't, we did, it was just like cigarettes, you know what I mean? And I know cigarettes are still out there, but people vaping is more, it seems to be more noticeable and common than people smoking regular cigarettes. Yes. It's just things change, things you know you have an organization like Mothers Against Drunk Driving comes along and the perception starts to change about doing that. And obviously you see all the stats and people kill people and it's awful. And, you know, the thing about these experiences that our kids are having around porn or around, um, you know, weed or around gambling is they just have easier access to these Mm -hmm. things. And so it's it's not the same as our experience. It's not the same. We, their, their ability to access So it's not saying, okay, you're never going to have a phone ever again because online gambling is there. That's not going to work because they need to learn how to, you know, they have, they need a phone. Um, again, depending on the age of your kids to be in life, you know what I mean? To You know, interact with their generation to have a job, to use GPS, but they also need to understand what gambling, where the money comes from, what it does, why people use it, and why it can't sustain you in life.
1: Um, Can I pivot? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I just want to say thanks to two brand new Team Zen members. Yay! Cammy from France.
0: Nice. Oui, I love oui. international members.
1: And then uh, Nicole from Rhode Island. Nice. If you don't know what uh, Team Zen is, uh, Join the Circle is a Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks all in one place. We have all these different micro communities. It's 25 bucks. Cancel at any time. So please join us. I don't know when our next... Zen
0: Talk is, but it's coming up. So. I think it's. I think we decided it was next week. Next week, so. So, can I just share a few stats that sure I wrote down? Can. Yeah. Um, so they they they're finally doing some research. I actually did some googling about how many girls and women are gambling now, and they don't. I could find nothing. Hmm. I could find things about people, you know, and they're not being gender specific, but it seems to be more uh boys and men. So for example, in Long Island, they did this research and did You say Long Island? Long, L O N G, <laughs> sorry, not Long Island. Long Island, teens and people in their early to mid 20s are now the number one demographic calling gambling hotlines, okay? Mm. That's research that they have. So because if you guys notice in these commercials or these ads for all of these gambling sites, they give you the gambling hotline, yeah. um, the, the GA hotline. Um, but, you know, and, and I'm glad people are using it, but it's really the only thing. Sure. Um, it says a survey of 16 to 25 year olds found that almost 70 percent saw at least four gambling ads on social media every week. Um, which obviously they know they're living in a very pro-gambling culture. Yeah. It's, you know, it's out there. Um, a national survey of 18 to 22-year-olds found that 58% of uh, respondents have placed at least one bet this year.
1: Jeez.
0: Um, nearly 70% of college students living on campus tend to be bettors. Um, among sports bettors pursuing a college degree, a little over 40% have placed bets on their own school's team. Okay, so you you go to a a university that has like a big basketball team or a big football team or whatever. The likelihood of there being bets is Mm -hmm. higher. That's why they said they're betters Um, kids. And this is the hard part. This is always the hardest part to hear. But this is why we need to have these conversations. Kids and teens are more likely to develop a gambling disorder than adults. Of course, uh, I will say, give the full research, but we probably know this. Yale explains that 2% to 7% of youths develop a gambling disorder as opposed to about 1% of adults. And this is because their brains are not fully developed. And so they don't have the rational thinking. They don't have the prefrontal cortex. They don't have the life experience. And so they're more likely to make it their go-to. Yes. Um, So anyway... Uh, it, just a little, just one more thing. Sure. Only 2% of parents think their teen has used an online betting platform.
1: That seems borderline <laughs> ridiculous.
0: So, and in, in, it was much higher with parents of teen boys. T, uh, parents of teen boys, 3% thought that their kid had placed an online bet. Parents of teen girls, 0.4%. Hmm. That's why I was looking for information around girls who bet because I know girls and women who bet. Sure. Okay, So I know it's happening, um, but there doesn't seem to be any conversation about it yet. Well,
1: and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's like, you know, we're in the infancy of this online from our phone micro betting availability, and it, they're going to keep throwing money at... I think the thing is, these gambling sites are going to throw incentives at you that are really um, seductive to jump in. They'll be like 50 bucks, free money, just place a bet and we'll give you $50. Like, Oh, well then you can't lose, which is great because you can't lose because it's free money. But now all of a sudden you have an account with them Now all of a sudden right. they can communicate with you Now all of a sudden they can figure out what your preferences are. And then they start just kind of reeling you in. So,
0: yeah, exactly. And so that, everything that Todd just said, that's what our kids need to know. Yeah. They, they, Found you. You
1: are a product,
0: just like I get targeted on Instagram. As soon as I like click on like a sweater. I click on like a pair of shoes and then all of a sudden that place like is coming after me in every platform. It's the same with online betting. You place one bet and they're going to come after you. They, they are going to target you. And so we can talk to our kids about that, not in a be terrified way, but just a very informational. Do you guys understand that this is how it works? And do you guys understand that when you place a bet, this is, I mean, some kids don't even know it's real money. You know they're so used to their like video games that they're like, "Oh, I'm just gonna place this bet and and this is gambling is real money. and so you know it's just a it's just another avenue.
1: well, if nothing else, just watch the sixty minute thing. I'll link it on in the show notes if you want to watch it. If you're like me, you'll ask your kid to watch it, and they'll say no." Um,
0: and you know, like even, and again, your kid's not going to like Zen parenting any more than 60 minutes probably, but listening to this with them or just have, listen, you know what Todd does all the time. He'll be like, girls, just listen to this part, you know, just listen to this one part and, you know, hear us talking about, then, you know, these stats, And then listen to them. And then they'll say why we're wrong. Right. But now all of a sudden you have a discussion. Correct. It's okay if they come back and say, I don't know anybody who does it or don't worry, I'm not going to do it. At least you're bringing it into the conversation because when they are when they do see it in high school or in college or in their twenties, you know they will be like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I heard about this. This yes. is what I know about it." What, what I think I always hope to do um, is you just want to bring parents, you, everyone listening, into the conversation so they can hear your voice too, because they're getting inundated by people who don't care about them. True. So let's bring in a voice that does care about them. And so they have that to play with. Um, Are you going away? Yeah. Oh, because I wanted to say one thing about the Grammys. Go ahead, babe. I loved the Grammys.
1: Okay, that's it. Just (laughs) kidding. What else
0: you got? I just wanted to say that part of the reason my daughters love to watch the Grammys with us is because it's their opportunity to know more than us. Because Todd and I are very into movies and we're very into TV. So when we watch Emmys and we watch Oscars and everything, sometimes Todd and I win. Most of the time. We win all the competitions of who's going to win, right? But with the Grammys, we are a little slow as far as music goes. Very
1: slow, sweetie. We're
0: trying. but I am
1: very slow.
0: I, am, I think I'm less slow than you. There I, was
1: one guy on there, and I'm not going to name his name, but I said, I'm pretty sure that that's not music. <laughs> and I said, my God, I feel old
0: right now. I know. And so- We, I, I feel like I know names, but I don't always know their songs or I haven't heard it on the radio or sometimes I just look up the billboard top 10 and I'm like, how do I not know these songs? Like, it's confusing to me. But last night the Grammys was like a Gen X dream, right? I was like, that's Tracy Chapman. And she could not look more gorgeous and peaceful and beautiful. I mean, Tracy Chapman last night was incredible. And she sang with Luke Combs. If any of you saw it, they sang, um, fast car and let's not overlook the fact that she is a black queer woman and he is a male white country singer yeah and they are singing this song together and it was really beautiful and you may say well what does that have to do with anything the song is about belonging the song is about there's like a human coming together kind of experience and i love that car that that car that that song by Tracy Chapman more so. That's just me being a Gen -er. Xer. Because we all listened to that in high school. Like, I think I was a junior when that song came out. Like, it's such an important song for our generation. Um, So that was pretty amazing. It's a bad version. Is that from last night? From last night. Okay, listen to her voice. It was incredible. It's so bad, though. I mean, I need to find a better one. So as you're finding that, we also had Joni Mitchell singing um, both sides now, which totally made me cry, with Brandi Carlisle, who kind of brought her back into the mix. You should read about that sometime. Um, Brandi Carlisle, that wasn't the first time that she sang with Joni Mitchell. Let's just say that. She, this summer, they she was at a, a festival, and this they did the same thing. Annie Lennox was there and sang a Sinead O'Connor song that Prince wrote... And Wendy and Lisa were with her from the revolution. So if you know nothing, that it, it, most people will understand what I just said. But Annie Lennox sang a Sinead O'Connor song that Prince wrote, and Wendy and Lisa from the revolution were accompanying her. Boom. Pretty cool. We also had, um, uh, well, I'll just stop there because I loved everybody. Did you I lo- Billy Joel? We had Billy Joel with a new song. And everyone was so excited, and it was so good, and it was so Billy Joel. And we're going to see him this summer with Stevie Nicks, by the way. Yes. Um, And then I loved SZA. I loved, obviously, we were psyched that Taylor won Album of the Year. She is now the only person, only human, to have won Album of the Year four times. Amazing. We had Dua and Olivia Rodrigo and Fantasia and... Um, just, I just loved it. I'm, I know I'm well, missing people. Oh, Miley.
1: Wonderful vehicle connection with our kids. Oh, right?
0: I just love it. And so last night was more fun. I, and, and my kids still love it. I only have one kid now at home watching, but I'm texting with my other girls, you yeah. know, because they're watching too. And it was just, I felt like it was a Grammys where I felt just as included. Boom. Okay. Love that's it. it. All right. Um, so I want to just give a shout out to uh, Jeremy
1: Kraft, Bald Head of Beauty, Painting and Remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. We also have a partner that you heard in the mid-roll, David Serrano, uh, giving a personal financial advisor. So thanks to David. And uh, join Team Zen, for goodness sakes. Yes, come keep along. Keep trucking.
0: If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us.
1: You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking and we'll talk to you again next week.